The book of Joshua, we'll be looking at the sixth chapter of the book of Joshua. This is a very turbulent time in the nation of Israel. The first thing that we notice, if you were to address the first verse, the first chapter of the book of Joshua, the first words say, Moses is now dead. Moses was a legend. Moses was a man that that guided the people of Israel. He was their icon. We have seen this so many times during the ages. And unfortunately, a lot of times it has happens in the pastoral. When a pastor has been there for some many years, the man that comes along next, God's man that comes along next. But because he is following a person who has been there for 20, 30, 40 years, he almost is doomed to failure because he is following a legend. We see it in, uh, in uh, head coaches. We see it in athletic events. When you follow a legend, the first thing that they say to you, you'll never be like the, your predecessor. You'll never do things the way your predecessor has done it. Well, I imagine this was the case for Joshua in so many cases that he had in his life. He was following a great legend in Moses. He was following a man that was an icon. He was following the great man, Moses. But Moses is now gone. I'm sure some would have said he'll never be like Moses. But God tells Moses several times in the first chapter. He says these words four times. Joshua, be strong and courageous. Joshua, be strong and courageous. I know we got a lot of visitors here this morning, but home folks, it's all right to say amen, okay? Joshua, be strong and courageous. He says it over and over again. In other words, Joshua, you have no fear. God is on your side. I was listening this past week. My mom and dad's pastor is actually, he's preaching his final sermon as he assumes another pastorate next week. But he was talking about his predecessor, Dr. Milton Gardner. When I grew up in Thomasville, Dr. Milton Gardner was the icon that I spoke about earlier. He was at the First Baptist Church for some 30 or 40 years. But he was telling Brother Dan about his sister. Oh, I think he said, if I'm not misunderstood, it was almost 90 years of age. But she was known to have a heavy foot. She liked to speed. And she was driving just recently through Atlanta, Georgia. And the policeman pulled her over and asked her, says, ma'am, do you have your driver's license? And she said, yes, sir, says, it's here in this purse somewhere. You can find it. Look for it. My driver's license are in there somewhere. So he finally finds her, find her driver's license, I assume in her wallet or someplace like that. But along with her driver's license was her license to carry a handgun, which is perfectly legal in the United States if you have a license. She, he said, ma'am, can I ask you, do you have a firearm in this vehicle? She said, yes, I do. He said, where is it? She said, there's a 22 over in the glove compartment. He says, okay. He says, can I ask you, do you have any other firearms? She said, oh, well, sure. Says, I have a 38 in my purse. Just look a little deeper. <laughs> he says, well, do you have anything else? He says, yes, sir. I have a 44 Magnum here in the glove compartment right beside me. He says, ma'am, he says, I want to ask you something. What in the world are you afraid of? And she said, absolutely nothing. <laughs> Joshua had absolutely nothing to be afraid of. God says, I will be with you. 
He said, be strong and courageous. So now we find Joshua just in the beginning chapters before chapter six, the latter parts, verses of chapter five. We find Joshua on his knees facing Jericho. Joshua knows the task that he has before him. Joshua knows the challenge that he has before him. And Joshua is on his knees praying to God to lead him and to guide him as he goes to take Jericho's walls down. But I want you to look what happens in this verse of scripture. Joshua's praying. He's on his knees before God. But he looks up and he sees a soldier there with a sword drawn. What do you think Joshua would do? Well, let me rephrase that. But Father, what would you do if you looked up and there's a soldier with a sword drawn? If you wouldn't just automatically take a quick run away, you would probably very quickly back up and say, hey, calm down, settle down. What's what's the problem there? But what does Joshua do? Now, he doesn't back up. He goes towards the individual. He approaches the individual and he says to them, not put your sword down. He asks him a question. He says, are you on God's side or are you on the enemy's side? He didn't ask him, are you in neutral ground? He said, are you for God or are you against God? Look what the answer of that one soldier said. He said, neither. I'm on neither side. He says, I am here. I am the commander of the Lord's army. And now I have come. And Joshua immediately fell down. Joshua is the general. Joshua is leading the people of Israel. Moses is gone. Joshua is now in charge. But immediately Joshua recognizes that he is absolutely worthless as a general unless he has the commander in chief of the Lord's army. Joshua realized that he was must be humble before God. He must humiliate himself. Not as a general, but he must humiliate himself and realize that there is a higher power going before him this morning. You see, I can stand in this pulpit this morning at this very time. And for the next few minutes, I am the commander in chief of this pulpit. God has placed me in this pulpit at this time. But I must always realize that I am absolutely nothing without the commander in chief of the Lord's army this morning. Your ears will not be penetrated unless it is done through the power of God, the Holy Spirit, this morning. There is a higher power than me here this morning. Preacher, before you get in this pulpit, teacher, before you get before your students, singers, before you sing before the people, realize your ministry is worth nothing unless it's guided by the Lord's army this morning. But Joshua is a general, and he realizes that the Lord is before him, and has brought him, and he immediately fell down before his face. And he began to worship this God. And he says to him, I don't know if he was testing him. I don't know if he was confirming. But he says these words, what does my Lord say to his servant? And the commander of the the Lord's army said to Joshua, Joshua, take off your sandals from your feet for the place where you are standing is holy ground. And Joshua did exactly as he commanded. Chapter 6 brings us to the current time. And as we look in the third verse, or look back to verse number 2, because the first words of verse number 2 are very important. And the Lord said, 
to Joshua. God is speaking at this time. Verse number three, he says, you shall march around the city. All the men of war going around the city once. Thus shall you do it for six times. Seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. And on the seventh day you shall march around the city seven times. And the priests shall blow the trumpets. And when they make a long blast with a ram's horn, when you hear the sound of the trumpet, then all of the people shall shout with a great shout, and the walls of the city will fall down flat. And the people shall go up, everyone straight before him. Flip over to verse number 16. And at the seventh time, when the priests had blown their trumpets, Joshua said to the people, Shout, for the Lord has given you the city. And the city and all that is within it shall be devoted to the Lord for destruction. Verse number 20, our last verses. So the people shouted, and the trumpets were blown as soon as the people heard the sound of the trumpet. The people shouted, a great shout, and the wall fell down flat, so that the people went up into the city, every man straight before him, and they captured the city. I bring you to a message this morning entitled, It's time to shout. Will you bow your heads? Father, we bow before you once again, just as we've done for the last few moments. And we bring to you this message that you placed upon our hearts. It's for each and every individual here. Some may speak to them more, may affect more of us, but it's all for us this very hour. Father, I thank you for those that have joined us, the visitors that have been brought in. We don't know their needs, but Lord, we just pray and believe on their behalf at this very moment. Speak to our hearts, minister to our ears this morning, and allow your word to be spoken and radiated and penetrated through our heart this morning. In your name we pray. Everyone says, Amen. The question for us this morning, the question is, what do you do when the walls seem too high? What do you do when that habit in your life seems too big to conquer? What do you do when it seems like all of the forces of the world and of Satan are against you? How do you conquer these problems? The answer is you turn to the commander and chief of the Lord's army. He's not afraid of walls. He's not afraid of circumstances. He's not afraid of trials and tribulations. He brings walls down at the command of God. But I want you to see three obstacles that Joshua faced as he went to tear down these walls of Jericho. If you were to go back to the third chapter of the book of Joshua, you see the first obstacle that Joshua's face was the crossing of the Jordan River. Now, this is harvest season. This is a time when the waters are coming down in torrents. They could have said, well, let's just wait until the to the soft season, until the season when it's dry. Maybe we can find some shallow water or let's find the right kind of tide so that we can go across on shallow ground. But the Bible is plain and clear that this was a rainy season. This was a time for the watering of the crops. The water was coming down in torrents, just as we had seen in the Red Sea when Moses stretched forth his rod and parted the waters. Now, some there are many critics about this. They want to give all different scenarios that this was already dry ground, that this was already a place where a shallow area is. But remember, after the army of Israel went through as Moses guided his army, who came after them? Pharaoh's army. 
What happened to them? They were washed away. So make no doubt about it. This was a rainy time. This was a time when the waters were crossing and, and running over and over. So Joshua is there and he's he's talking with his leaders. And Joshua may have said something to his leaders like, hey, guys, I got a plan. He says, let's take the, the priest. Let's let the preachers lead us. Strike number one, you know, that's probably not always a good sign, but let's let the preachers go for us. And let them carry the Ark of the Covenant. And let them cross over Jordan first. Now, get back to this Ark of the Covenant. Just a reminder. This was a box about four feet long, about two, two and a half feet wide, two and a half feet high. There it is, gold plated. And on the top of this Ark of the Covenant are two angels facing one another. And in the center is what they call the mercy seat, which is significant of the mercy of God. So when we see this Ark of the Covenant, it is a symbol. When we see the Ark going across, it is the presence of God going before us. When we see the Ark of the Covenant, we see that we recognize the holiness of God. When we see the Ark of the Covenant, we realize that it is the justice of God. And then finally, when we see the Ark of the Covenant going before us, we realize it is the mercy of God that he has given us. So when the people of Israel set out to cross the Jordan River at the beginning of their invasion of the promised land, God himself went before them. But they may have said to Joshua, now, Joshua, OK, you want to cross this Jordan River River? Now, guys, you know, he's he's trying to be like Moses now. He, he's trying to do it the way Moses did it. You know, we. Let's let's feel sorry for him. Let's let's allow him to to do what 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 he thinks he should do. You know, he's trying to mimic Moses. He's trying to be a copycat. But let, let, let's just let him go ahead and do what he wants to do. Now, now to Joshua, what did God tell you was going to happen when you cross that Jordan River? What did God tell you would happen as the priest began to lead the people of Israel across the Jordan River? He said, well, God told me to prepare for a miracle. He says, for the God says, when the priest's feet touch the water, that God is going to make a way out of no way. Oh, oh, okay, Joshua, that sounds good, you know, but of course, that's the way Moses would have done it, you know. But Joshua, okay, sounds good. You see, the world is full of doubters. The world is full of people who says, yeah, right. Yeah, go ahead. Let's let's see if that happened. But the point of this is when God says to go forth, when God says that the waters are going to be parted, God provides the power for the things to happen that God said are going to happen. For you see, God was about to make dry way through the mystical river as he had done 40 years before at the Red Sea. So now go forth the seven priests, the Ark of the Covenant, the mercy seat. And the law that was inside of the book, of the, of the box of the Ark of the Covenant. The question is, if God meets Joshua and says, I have given you Jericho, would God then go away? Would God desert his people? I got one person on my side this morning. I heard one no. With God told Jericho, jo- Joshua that I'm going to take you across the Jordan River, would God then desert him? Absolutely not. If God opened the Red Sea, would God desert Joshua and not open the Jordan River for Joshua? Absolutely not. 
For when the priests and the Ark of the Covenant stepped into the Jordan River, the walls of the water were rolled back. He just rolled back the walls of the water as God commanded. He did it for Moses in the Red Sea. He did it for Joshua at the Jordan River. And he's done it for you and I throughout our lives. But the problem is we still, we still, we still doubt God on many occasions. Where's the food coming from tonight? What am I going to feed the children with tonight? And you go home and there's food in the refrigerator. How am I going to pay the rent? What am I going to do about the rent? You go home and there's a check in the mail. How is, what's going to happen with my daughter? This high fever that is running 104, 105, and the next time you go back, the fever is gone. But yet we still say, God, are you going to do it? If God has crossed the Jordan River, if he's crossed the Red Sea, he'll cross every obstacle that you face in your life today. But sometimes our faith is no good. But when we come to God and we bring our knees and our tithes and our offerings and we bring and we come in fellowship with God, the walls have to come down when the thirsts of God are with us. And when the covenant of God is gone before us, the presence of God, and we, we look to the commander of chief, the walls come tumbling down. The next thing we see, as he's crossed the Jordan River, he now faces the walls of Jericho. Joshua once again comes and says, I got a plan. Oh, no, here we go again. He says, I'm going to tell you what we're going to do. He says, the priests will lead us around the whole city and the soldiers will follow. Then all of the people will begin to march around the city one time, first day. Second time, second day. Third time, fourth time, fifth time, sixth time, then we'll go home. But the seventh day, when you come, you march around that city. You march around it one time, two times, all the way, seven times. We'll march around that city. And then we'll blow the trumpets. And when you hear the, vo- the sounds of the ram's horns, you shout. And the walls will come tumbling. Oh, no, not again. We got to go through this again. This man is just believes all of this stuff. He's going to try to do it again. What are we going to say to the to Joshua about this? Okay, Joshua, I I was wrong about crossing the River Jordan. You know, maybe it'll be an easier way. You see those walls? Now, some say the walls stretched all the way to heaven. I haven't gotten an exact length of it. But some may have said there, says, you know, we got a couple of engineers in this place with us. Say, maybe we can get a ramp. You know, maybe we can get get some uh, uh, some force behind us. Maybe we can get an automobile and we can go up that ramp and jump the walls of Jericho and come down. Or maybe an easier thing, we'll just lock them up. They got to come out sometime. They can't just... Stay in there in the walls of Jericho. And when they come out, then we'll just come and we'll bring the forces against them and we'll overtake them and we'll destroy the nation of Jericho. But Joshua adopted absolutely none of these. In fact, he did not even seek any of these ideas. But Joshua reminded them, this ain't my plan. (laughs) I didn't make this plan up because ain't no human mind can make up a plan like this. The logistics are just not right. This is only a plan that God create in our lives. So God, Joshua reminded him, this is absolutely nothing to do with me. 
But this is God's plan. You want me to tell you about a meeting that I had just before I came to this wall? I was praying on my knees and I looked up and there was the commander of the Lord's army and he told me that he would go with us. He allowed me to know that we were on holy ground. We were on God's turf today and God will lead us into the promised land. But if the people would not only get enough faith to do it God's way, then maybe we could not have as many walls around us to break down. We want to do it our way sometimes. I know how to do it, but God always has a better way to do it. Many of us have Jerichos in our lives. We have kept many things from us that has inhibited us from receiving the fullness of the blessings of God. For many of us, this is covetous, the love of money that has allowed us not to receive the full blessings of God. For many of us, it is worldly pressure, seeking the things of the world that bring pleasure to all. For many of us, it is self-ambition, the love of, of successful business, spending all of our time and deserting the time with God. All of these things around in our personal lives bring down the frowning walls of Jericho. But the Jericho walls must fall before we can receive what God truly has for us. Spiritual progress and enjoyment of the riches of the grace in Christ Jesus can all be ours if we will just allow the walls to come tumbling down. So the, the soldiers, they began their march around the city. The one thing I want you to realize, he says, when you march, be silent about it. Be silent. I wonder if there was any Pentecostals there, you know. Be silent. Walk around. The only thing you will hear is the sound of the ram's horns. But I imagine as they began to stomp, and as they began to march, and as they began to go around that city, with Anthon, I believe there was some music playing. As the feet began to sunk, and as the horns began to blow, I believe God was building up and began to tear down the walls. The walls aren't falling, but they're starting to get some cracks in them. You know, sometimes we got to get cracked. Sometimes God's got to crack us over the head. Sometimes he's got to break us. Sometimes he's got to just... Put some, put some cracks in that mortar before the walls will come down. But the soldiers began to march. And those within the walls of Jericho, they began to shore up the, fort, the walls of Jericho. They called on one another. Are the gates closed? Are we sealed in here tightly? We know what they're up to. We know what they're going about doing. We know what their plan is. Are the walls dried up? Are there any cracks around us? Is there any way they can get in? And then they see the soldiers as they began to march around the city. They start on the east side. And they began to march around the city. And then they get a report to the north. What are they doing? They're just marching. They go to the west. What are they doing? They're just marching. What are they doing in the south? Marching around. Marching around. What's happening in the east? Well, they're going home for the day. Day two. What's happening? Marching. Marching. East. North. South. East, west. Where are they going? Heading home. Third day, same thing. Fourth day, same day. I think by then some of the soldiers says, you know, this is ridiculous. They take their swords and just, you know, they think this is going to work. They take their swords and they just toss them to the side. They think they got a plan. You know, I'm going to lay down and take me a nap. Fifth day, what are they doing? Marching, 
Where are they going? Marching around. What's happening in the east? They're heading home. Seventh day. What's happening? Here they come again. Oh, Lord, I've seen that fellow before. He looks like he's dragging. And they began to march around. They go to the north. They go to the west. They go to the south. They go there. They're heading home now? No, sir. They're coming around again. What do you mean? Here they come again. Second time around. Third time around. And here they go around three times, four times, five times, six times. And then on the seventh time, oh, on the seventh time, all of a sudden, the ram's horn blew and the people began to shout. They began to shout. And as they shouted, the walls of Jericho came crashing down. Amen? But notice one thing. Notice something with me. When did they shout? Did they shout before the walls came down or after the walls came down? When do we want to shout? We want to shout when the money's in the mail. Amen? We want to shout when the fever's gone. We want to shout when all God's done for us. How he's blessed us. How he's profited us. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. But folks, if God said he's going to do it, begin to shout. That's why I say time to shout the praises of God. Folks, we can never thank God for what all he's done. And he's going to do more in our lives. So shout today for the praises of God in our lives. When you are on your knees and you're talking to walls. And when you're facing the walls. Are the forces against you? You're talking to the one who is able to bring down walls. Many people are confronted with walls, walls that block them out, walls that hem them in. But there is no wall powerful enough to keep God out. For the walls of Jericho come crashing down. And everything in the city of Jericho is destroyed. Except one. Except one. Remember chapter 2? There's a Gentile, a foreigner, an Amorite harlot. If you don't know all of that, maybe that doesn't mean to you. What if I say this to you? Also in Jericho is a prostitute. <gasps> My mom has this thing when we shock her, we surprise her. She, <gasps> I mean, you just see the walls just cave in and she sucks all the air out. But many of us in the church, they come up, oh, I remember them. I remember what they used to do. I remember their sinful life. And yet they're singing in the church, yet they're preaching. <gasps> Rahab. Rahab had absolutely no knowledge of Jesus Christ. She had absolutely no Bible. She didn't have Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. She had absolutely nothing. But yet Rahab learned of God and what God could do. And the decision followed. Now many have wondered, was Rahab saved when she allowed the spies to come to her house? The words indicate that she had. But she was known as a prostitute. She was tattooed a prostitute. But in spite of all of this, the grim liabilities of a Gentile, an Amorite, a prostitute, this pagan woman, had at least one thing going for her. 
she had heard about God of Israel. And as a result of that, she believed in the true God. She had heard. How did my thing is, how did she hear? She's in Jericho. How did she hear what God had done? Well, I don't know if this is bad to think this way, but I seem to think she probably heard it from the men visiting her establishment. These men came to her establishment. Hey, you hear what happened with Moses the other day? What do you mean? So Moses stretched forth his rod. And the waters of the Red Sea rolled back. And there the, the people of Israel marched across on dry land. Then they got on the other side and Moses stretched forth his rod again. And all of those Pharaoh's army that were coming through the Red Sea, as he pressed, stretched forth his rod again, the walls came tumbling down and washed the people out. Oh, yeah? What's Rahab doing? She's listening. She may have heard it from another group. Oh, who is this man? This is the commander and the chief of the Lord's army. Did you hear about not long ago as they defeated and killed Sion and Og back in Deuteronomy? Oh, yeah. I heard about that. Have you heard all of these things that, that this man God has done? Rahab. An immoral, a pagan woman who in the midst of her practice of prostitution had heard about the true God of Israel. Not only that, she believed that God she had heard about was the true God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Jacob. Rahab, we find her in the New Testament twice. James chapter 2, and of all places, Hebrews chapter 11, the great Paul of faith. Rahab. Rahab, Mary Salmon. I don't have to tell you all this, but I'm going to tell you because it just thrills my soul. Rahab, Mary Salmon. They had a son named Boaz who married Ruth. They had a son named Obed. They, he had a son named Jesse. He had a son, King David. I don't have to go any further. You know what this rest of the story is. Rahab is in the lineage of none other than our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that we worship this Christmas season. She was a prostitute, but she's a child of God. The wall came tumbling down. The scarlet cord was hanging in the, you can come. The scarlet cord was hanging in the window. And Rahab, her children, her parents were not affected. We are not all a part of the family of God. Or within the scope of what God is doing in a saving way in human history. What is worse, we were part of a corrupt, degenerative society in which each one of us had our own reprehensible sins. But God set his hand on us and he made his great saving acts in history known to us and then brought us into contact with his messengers and representatives. He called for faith in us, faith by which through his grace we also laid our lives on the line. In a spiritual sense, we were called to repudiate our own people and identify with God's people. And as a result, the sign of that, the blood of Jesus Christ, like a scarlet cord, was spread over our homes and our lives. You see, my friend, God can take anyone out of their pit of sin. God can take anyone 
out of that immoral lifestyle. I've heard it so many times before. That person will never change. Hogwash! God can change any individual as we allow the command of the army to lead us to the victory today. But what we have to do is surrender all our lives to him. Did God do what he said he was going to do? Did God part the Jordan River? Did God bring down Jericho's walls? Did God save Rahab as Jericho was being burned down? Yes, and God can do each and everything that you ask of him in your personal lives. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. It's a wonderful song, Dawn, that just comes to mind. With I surrender all to Jesus. I surrender all. I got done in 30 minutes. Heads about. We've had communion. We've looked before God this morning. We've asked Him to purify our hearts and our lives this morning. We've broken bread this morning. The command of obedience that God has given us. We've worshipped him in song and through our prayers and our offerings. We have heard the word of God. And as you look through your life again, you may say, Preacher, there's some habit that I have. It's absolutely none of my business. This is between you and God. There's a habit that I have. As far as I'm concerned, it's impossible to break. Well, I ask you this morning, bring it to the walls of Jericho. Begin to march around the commander-in-chief. And let me tell you something. Don't wait for it to happen. Begin to shout the praises of God. I'm not just talking about audibly. I'm saying within your heart, begin to thank God for what he has done. He, Jesus Christ, can break down the walls of a city. There is no problem God cannot conquer. Jesus, God's son, can take down the walls. So let him march into your life this morning and begin the process. Folks, listen to me. I guarantee you, guarantee you, the walls will fall and you'll have the victory. But you got to surrender to him. As you surrender to him, Brother Anton, come help me sing it one time. As we sing this song, just pray before God and say, Lord, you know my habit. If you want to come share it with me, you're more than welcome to. I'll meet you down at this altar. I'll pray with you. Other pastors will come and we'll pray with you. Because I believe this morning walls can come tumbling down if we'll surrender to him. Will you come as we sing it one time through? I surrender all, Lord, I surrender all, all to Thee, all to Thee, my blessed Savior, I surrender all, I surrender all. I surrender all my pride.
so much for challenging us from your word today. Thank you for encouraging our hearts through Brother Brad and sharing with us that nothing is too hard for the Lord to do. You can do all your holy will. Help us to trust you more. Help us to allow you to cause our faith to uh, connect with your word and your promises and to see walls come down in our personal lives, even in our nation. As we get down on our knees, as we trust you, as we believe you to carry out your holy will through our lives. For nothing is impossible for you to do, O oh God. We rejoice that you are the one who helps us to break through our problems, to break through our doubts, to break through our fears. Dear God, you are the one who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus. Help us to faithfully follow him as our commander in chief, the one who conquered death, hell, and the grave. For it's in his name we pray, and all God's people say, Amen.